What is up, No Nation? This is Jesse from Plant the Spear here to preview this kind of shell of an orange bowl that is coming up this Saturday, Florida State against Georgia. So many opt-outs, we don't even know what it's going to look like. You know, if you're watching on YouTube, you might see him by myself right now. I think Michael even opted out. There's just so many people missing. I think he might have just hit the portal too. You know, maybe he's not interested in this one. There he is. Hey, hey Michael, we're back. We're back. I've decided to play in the game. <laughs> I was ready to respect your decision, my friend. I, I was ready to just say, hey, I thought maybe you were on your way to Miami because uh, I'm going to have to get in the airport soon because I think you might be starting and, and I might be getting some reps too in this one because, Michael, we don't, we, man, we don't even know. Not really sure. I, I'm still working on my NIL deal, so we'll see after that. You'll hammer it. Okay, I got you. Well, well, you know, it's God's plan, so we'll let it's things God's roll plan. like it is. But, you know, it's just funny, man. Like, you, you have to laugh at a game like this. And, you know, the funny thing is, guys, like, we appreciate you guys tuning in as we get ready to talk about this one because, you know, if they're going to play it, we're going to talk about it. And, and right. you still have to cheer for and, and hope the guys that are willing to participate in this game do as well as they can. Um, obviously, Florida State dropped their depth chart for this game yesterday. And we had a whole hour-long episode recorded. And we just decided to trash it and start over because it, it looked a lot different than what we expected it to. So we wanted Correct. to use the most up-to-date information possible and and uh, yeah michael it's gotten a little bit worse it's um, gotten so, you know but it's it's looking pretty dire but we're gonna we're gonna talk about it we're gonna we're gonna kind of share some thoughts on things set the stage for you guys like we said if they're gonna play it we're gonna talk about it there's michael there is there's no way to beat around the bush my friend there's no way to not be kind of depressed that this is the ending of a 13 and 0 season that had so much yeah. potential for florida state to go on and do things yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of bad. I mean, you got half your team's missing. You're, you're probably going to, for all intents and purposes, get curb stomped in a bowl game now. Yeah. Um, you know, depending if Georgia really does have everybody show up minus a couple of guys that are being rumored that didn't travel with the team. We'll talk about that in a minute, but we're going to at least try and be somewhat positive about this. So we're at least going to kind of talk about some things that you can be excited about some things right. that you can watch for in this game. Um, and we're going to do the best we can to make, to make the best out of a, a kind of a dire situation. So right. Michael, thank you for joining me. Thank you for opting back in. Uh, to the Orange Bowl preview show. I'm, I'm glad to have somebody because, man, I was getting ready to grab my cat as a walk-on to, to put in this thing. So um, appreciate you. Thanks for joining me. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Jesse. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, you know, thank you for respecting my decision. You know, I'm just trying to stand on business here. And, uh, you know, it was it was a little iffy here or there. But, you know, once uh, once you sent that NL, NLI deal over, I was like, all right, I got I to gotta get back in the game here. I love it. No. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me back. You know, man, it's. It, it, could you imagine where we were when we, you know, when the final, you know, uh, time ticked off that clock down in Orlando um, against LSU to where we are now? Like, could you have imagined us yeah. being here after that game? I mean, we were on high. We were on just uh, cloud nine, uh, you know, thinking of dreaming about playing in the national championship, winning number four and and, you know getting all our haters and saying yeah look at us to to now we're getting ready to walk into an orange bowl game with a with a completely different team i mean people need to understand that right, right. this is not the same team that went 13-0 yeah there's still some pieces from the 13-0 team but this is not the same team and so you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about it what that looks like we're gonna talk about some of our feelings around that and uh, and and what florida state's chances are at winning this game but you know jesse i just you know, it is what it is, and that's yeah. why we're here. No, I, I I agree, man. Like, if you look at after the just the high everybody was on after that LSU game, and then if you would have 
if you would have said, okay, I'm going to fast forward you to Christmas time and you would be 13 and 0 ACC champions and you feel like you could get nauseated and vomit over the thought of playing in the Orange Bowl with like literally a redshirt freshman walk-on quarterback as your backup and you know you got one scholarship quarterback on the roster two scholarship right. running backs on the roster like you would have never thought it's no. even funny man to, like to prep for this game a little bit i went back and watched the tv copy of the acc championship game because i was there and after the the cfp snub kind of pooed on like our, our celebration which is another that's a whole nother argument right. there that that you didn't even give us time to enjoy the end of the season that it was like, man, we were so naive when I was watching that game. How many signs were at that game? Like we win and we're in. And then That's like right. you just you didn't see it coming, man. Yeah. We didn't we didn't see it playing out this way. But you know, at the end of the day, I think you you do bring up a valid point that no matter what happens in this bowl game, and let's be honest, guys, it's probably not gonna go well. I don't think it can diminish what the team that finished Correct. 13 and 0 did because, I, I, and you know, people are going to, there's going to be some mindless fans out there that they're going to get their shots in regardless because yep. they don't understand how the game of football works. And, you know, everybody's going to say, well, you guys said that it didn't matter. No, 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 no. It didn't matter that we were missing one guy. Right. Now we're missing like 15. That's yes. different for any it's a team. whole different team. This team you're going to see in the Orange Bowl probably doesn't win the ACC championship. They probably don't go 13 and 0. So this Correct. is a completely different team in a completely different setting. And, you know, if you don't like it, you can you can thank the committee for that because they yep. told them that the first 13 games didn't matter. Right. And so now everybody all of a sudden wants these players to come in and try and prove something to a committee that's already failed them in the Correct. 14th game. They don't right. owe that to anybody. So yeah. I don't blame them for opting out. We'll have a little conversation about that in a minute. Uh, but yeah, man, I just, I just, as we go through this, I don't want people to let what happens in this orange bowl diminish what that team did. Right. The fun that we had during this season, watching them go smoke LSU like that, right. go win in death Valley, beat both your rivals, all that stuff is stuff you can still be happy about Absolutely. regardless of the outcome of this game. So with that being said, guys, let's go ahead and talk about the Orange Bowl or what's left of it anyway. It feels like maybe just some orange peels laying around. <laughs> That's the right. The orange like, peel bowl. Like, right, exactly. The fruit's already been ate. It's gone, man. It, it, this is just the orange peels at this point. Um, so, you know, maybe even some orange zest because I don't even think we have le enough left for a peel. But <laughs> talking about this Orange Bowl, uh, Georgia does come in as a 16.5-point favorite. I probably will have to that check thing that went number. went up. I was about to say, I probably will have to check that number again because after you saw some of the defensive opt-outs, uh, opt that number probably changed. So, I mean, this is obviously going to be one of the biggest, like, underdog games that you've had all season. And, yeah, it's 19 points now. So, they are Oof. a 19-point favorite uh, over Florida State. So, again, I mean, no one really expects this game to be close. Uh, when you look at the money on this game, the total bets are 91% on UGA. Uh, and that's just the money line. When you look at the spread, 83% of the bets go to UGA on the spread even, so they think they're going to cover. I mean, it's just, you know, again, a lot of a lot of people think Florida State has no chance in this. They probably don't have much of a chance. We're going to talk about how they find a way to get in this one. That is going to be right. a segment in the show. We're going to we're going to kind of dig through some things and see there. But, you know, man, I mean, as grim of an outlook as it is, they're going to show up, they're going to play, and there's some guys that I'm excited about to see in this. And I think the theme that we're going to carry throughout this episode that we talked about in our in our pre-show prep is that for Florida State fans and, and for those in the Florida State community, you are watching the game inside of the game on right. Saturday. You are right. not watching the scoreboard. Matter of fact, 
if you have an index card at home, I suggest you tape it over your screen Correct. where the score is and just yep. ignore that part. Just ignore the score. And just watch on the field. Look for guys who are going to be a part of this team in 2024. Look for guys who stuck it out you know, and, and are out there giving it their all. You can be happy for them. You can see maybe some sparks that you can see some pieces for next year. That's what you want to watch in this game. You don't really need to worry about that. Um, and, and I will say too, man, and I'll kick it back to you on this, but I have seen some things on social media where the players are, they're having a good time in Miami, man. Yeah. They, got yeah, they, like, they got to do like a cruise on a yacht last night. That's pretty cool down in, in South Florida. So like, you know, I, I think that is important too, because golly, man, this team deserves some happiness and some fun after the last month that they've had, you know, they, they deserve that as a team. Uh, hopefully Mike Novell got to have some fun because my goodness, man, I yeah, mean, boy, it just, some stuff. Whoo, he'd been through <laughs> it, son, like <laughs> as a fan base. And, and we're, we, you know, we have a tough time as players. They have a tough time, but my goodness, man, I don't yeah. think I've seen a coach come into COVID situation. Then your, your Jordan gets hurt. Then you get screwed out of the playoffs. Now have your team ops out. Like, Man, this guy can't catch a break. But yeah. at the same time, they're down there. They're having fun. They're enjoying the bowl process. And, and yeah. they're going to field a team, and they're going to play. So we're going to talk about it and, and some of the things that you should watch for in this game and some of the things that you can be excited about, even in a game that's probably not going to go the way you want it to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I'm grateful that the team got to go down to Tallahassee South because let's be real, Florida State owns that, owns owns Miami. And uh, got to have some fun and get a run of their little baby city and, and do those things to kind of take their minds off of all the stuff that they've done. But yeah, I mean, this game is, you know, this game is, it's just not the game that we anticipated when the, when the pairings were announced. I mean, you right. knew from the moment that the, that the college football invitational committee said that uh, Florida state wasn't in, you knew this game wasn't going to be the same. You knew that when Georgia got left out, this game wasn't going to be the same. And so, you know, what's unfortunate is that Florida state for the most part, it, it seems like Florida State's going to be more affected than Georgia will be. Right. You know, I know that Georgia has some has some players that may or may not play, as well as they've also had, I think, about eighteen opt outs. If I remember yeah. how that number is, uh, they've had eighteen uh, players, you know, declare or, or or transfer or opt out or whatever that may be. And so we're still kind of waiting to figure out what's going to happen with Brock Bowers and uh, uh, the the wide receiver. I can't think of his name right now. Lad something McConkey. Yeah, yeah, McConkey. Um, so we're still waiting to see with that, but. You know, this game's going to be what it is. And like you said, I think, Jesse, you had a great point, is that, you know, for us fans, our, yes, we'd love to win the game. And trust us, if we win this game, if we somehow pull out the miracle of miracles and win this game, you won't be able to shut up FSU Twitter for ever it will we will talk all the trash we can talk exactly if you have kids don't watch the post game <laughs> don't show. watch I promise the you with them in the same <laughs> don't do, don't make that mistake i promise <laughs> but uh, but at the end of the day what this game is really for the way we can take some semblance of joy out of this game is is to watch the emerging players we're looking at 22 our mind should be on 2024 already and so what we're trying to see is what players end up flashing in this game i mean let's just be real this is the best indicator of what we have that's going to be way better than the spring game because you have these players who've had 30 days to do fundamentals to get the game plan down and now they're going to get a chance to showcase what they got it's against the two-time defending national champions or well they're no longer defending it's the two-time national champions they they had won 29 straight they literally only lost two games in the last three years right 
Uh, they have blue chip upon blue chip upon blue chip upon blue chip stacked in their depth chart. So now we get to see what these future players are going to be able to flash. This is not about the score of the game unless we win. Um, right. it, it's more so about uh, are we seeing the progression of these players? Who's going to be who's going to give us a helping hand for next year? Who's going to be uh, important pieces to to the 2024 run? I think that's that's what's going to be more important, Jesse, for us to, to kind of keep our eyes on. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And like you said, great point. You're going to do it against the best in the game. Yeah. So you're going to know like, yeah, you may not win in the outcome as a team, but, you know, say hypothetically you get a guy, a young guy comes in and, and has a great game because right. I Holmes or, or something right. like that. Say you have a young receiver or a young DB who just locks it down. Say right. Azaria has a great game against a, a Georgia wide receiver. Then right. you're feeling like, OK, you know, 2024, okay. you you have a guy who could compete not right. at the ACC level, not in the spring game at the highest level in a true highest game level. situation. Right. Right. You know, not not where it's like we're, we're kind of dividing the team up strong right. versus kind of strong. So, yeah, I think I think that is. That is a very good point, and there are a lot of things to watch in this game. You know, it's just it stinks because when you look at the game as a whole, you're going to play the best team that you've played all year yep. with the worst roster you've had all year, and that's all not year. a dish on the kids. It's, it's just not. There's, there's no experience. I mean, these right. guys. You know, there's a lot of positions where if you look at the guys on on paper on star ratings that you're bringing in uh, of Hakeem of Andravius, these guys, these are all, a lot of these guys are, are blue chip players, right? They just have never played. So like, this is right. not the best time to figure out what they can do against against a team like Georgia. But again, like you said, I mean, if you want to measure yourself against the ultimate measuring stick, right. It, you're going to have a chance on Saturday. And so, you know, again, man, like while we both had, we both agree that, we don't love opt outs in these games. You know, I, I'm old school. I liked it when, when things mattered, uh, you know, postseason games mattered. These were fun, big matchups at the same time. I'm, I'm empathetic to the players. I understand why they do what they do. I understand why they would get out of this game to, you know, avoid injury. Now, some of them I think could still use playing in the game. I think some of them, I think maybe it's more of like a pseudo protest or something like that to, yeah. to screw off to the committee. And I tell you what, ESPN's got to be a, a little pissed about the product yeah. they're going to get versus yeah. what they thought they were going to get, you know, and, and, you know, we'd had this conversation in pre-show maybe like after in the future, you know, once we get a college football commissioner at some point, he can implement a rule where like you have one week to decide whether you're playing or not. And then right. you reseed the bowls because right. this, we probably wouldn't have been in the orange bowl with half the team out, but as much as we don't like the opt-outs, they're part of the game nowadays. It is what it is. And, you know, I, I made um, – I'll use the same example I used on, on the yesterday's show that we didn't air was like if, if someone handed you during the season, you're picking your lottery numbers. And if, if you – at the end of the season, you picked all the right numbers and now you have a lottery ticket theoretically in your hand and all you have to do is get to the draft and someone said, here's a bowl game that's also like a, a burning room that you have to run through with this paper ticket and not let it catch on fire. Anything happened to it? Would you take <laughs> yeah. that risk? Nah. No, I would not either. So, like, I 100% understand it. Now, you know, I as much as I can say I'm a Florida State fan, I would love to suit up one more time in garnet and gold. I also don't have a, a multi-million dollar check hanging over my head. Correct. So I get it. It it, it, it sucks that it kind of it turns the game into a lesser thing for the fans that, that get to watch it but you know we're not in the same position and and yep. you know i will at least say this and i'll kick it back to you as, as much as we hate these you know it, it's part of the game but you also this is a byproduct of the system that that college yep. football has created for itself you allowed free agency period essentially 
to yep. start while the season is still right. being played. That is a ridiculous way to go about things. So something needs to be done if you want to put the value back in bowl season. I, and I do think the 12-team playoff will put a little bit more value into the later season games, not so much the bowls, you know, because yeah. you, you have more opportunity to still get in. Um, but at that point, I think the 12-team will add a little value back to the end of the regular season. But if you want any value in these bowls or anything like that, you just – or at least the players to be intact and not in the portal. Because, you know, like you said, with, with Georgia and the amount of opt-outs that they had, technically they don't have any opt-outs. No. They're all portal entries. Yeah. And so if you move that portal deadline to start after the end, yep. the culmination of the season, this would not be as big of a deal. So no. it's just the system needs to change. You can't necessarily be mad at the players for working within the system that they're given. When, you know, people get mad at a player hitting the portal, guess what? Coaches hit the you know, hit, and that's not the portal, Absolutely. but they hit the portal all the time. We've seen over the last few years, entire programs hit the portal hit the and portal. go to another conference over money. <laughs> so, like, you can't be mad at the players when it literally schools right. are hitting the portal. So, right. you know, it sucks, but it is what it is, man. It's part of the game. You can't fault the players for it. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I've always felt like, okay, I'm with you in the sense of like, man, there's a game in front of you. You should play it. That's how I've always been as a football player right. myself. Like, if there's a game in front of you, you should play it, okay? At the same time, I could say that because there wasn't, like you said, an $8 million, $1 million check hanging over my head, right. you know, worrying about my family, taking care of them. I could say that now because I don't have that problem, right? So it's easy for me to armchair quarterback these kids' decisions to say yep. you should play. So I totally get that. I think you and I both agree that players deserve to be paid. The billions of dollars that these schools are making, uh, the payers, the players should get a pie of that because they're the one that's risking their body and their chances. If coaches can get in the transfer portal at the end of the season, show, so should players. If schools can do it, so should players. No one's disagreeing with any of that stuff. However, what we are saying is that there is no semblance or rhyme to how they go about the structure. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that as soon as the last game was over, players could enter the transfer portal while the bowl games are being decided, while they're also trying to seed the playoffs, while they're also trying to seed the bowl games, while they're also trying to uh, get their high school signing recruiting class done. I mean, yep. this is absolutely asinine. It's ridiculous. You cannot field a team trying to figure out all these different pieces. Now, to me, and I and I know you don't agree with this uh, on me and this, Jesse, but I've always hated the bowl system. I think it's a participation trophy thing that kids who didn't make the national or schools that didn't make the national championship got some form of level participation. Look, you did a good season. But let's be real. These kids are going to eventually, if they make it to the NFL, they're going to go to the NFL. There's no participation trophy. You don't get in the playoffs. That's it. You go home. You clean, You go back to the 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 program you know locker you clean out your locker you go home for the offseason that's it you go right. into the playoffs you lose the playoff you go home you clean out yep. your locker so why are we why in college should that be any different right. i mean in the in college basketball you don't make the ncaa tournament it's you, over. you 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 yeah. might have a chance to go to the nit you might not yeah. it's over your season's done in college softball you don't make the playoffs you're done. And baseball, college baseball, you don't make the NCAA tournament, you're done. Like, why is college football yep. the one entity that says, no, we should have uh, participation trophy games? It doesn't matter. Those right. games don't matter. Now, the college football playoff invitational committee basically told Florida State that their 13-0 season 
didn't matter. So these players are now saying to themselves, well, if that don't matter, then what does this Orange Bowl game matter as well? Right. Yep. And I get it. As Florida State fans, man, I would love it if our whole team, minus Jordan Travis, because he, you know, obviously broke an ankle, would play in this game and show the world that, man, that 13-0 mattered to us. I get it. I would love right. that to happen. Yep. I also get the other side too, Jesse, is that that man, they got to look out for themselves. They got to take care of themselves. They gave everything they could to Florida State this season. They went 13-0. They did everything we had hoped that they would do. They did it. They don't know right. Florida State anything else. Right. And I think when you do look at the bowls, I like bowl season because it's free football. But I mean, again, man, when you look at some of these games where it's like you have two teams that are playing completely in a non-regional bowl game where Correct. there's five fans in attendance, they get like a fossil watch and a backpack, you know, for <laughs> showing up or something like yes. that. You yes. know what I mean? Like, like that's, you know, I, like if you get to go to the Bahamas Bowl, that's great. I okay. think it was actually played in Charlotte this year. So mm -hmm. like what a bummer there. But, you know, again, man, like the more you see the opt-outs and, and the things like the sham that the orange bowl has become, the more you realize that maybe we don't need as many bowls as we do. Right. You expand the playoffs and the rest of it is a wash like right. all the other things that you say. And, and, you know, before we move on a little bit to getting back to the orange bowl, I, I will also say that, you know, you bring up a good point. Like when you talk about the players risk for this, yeah. if a player gets hurt, they're not going to like stop the world for them. They're just nope. going to, kick them to the side and keep going. So you have to look at it from there. They are like, a, as much as this sounds terrible to say, they're a cog in the machine. Right. And if something happens to them, they're out of here. And, you know, if you think about from an NFL perspective, you know, people can say, I want you to play in the orange bowl. That's great. If you want to prove a point, you want to go out there and, you know, woohoo, we won one for the team. That's great. I get it. But you're also talking about the livelihood that these kids are going to provide for their families Absolutely. someday, and they can make life-changing money in some situations. Now, sure, there's probably some guys, you know, like a Jerry and Jones or something like that. I don't know. Maybe you do up your draft stock by playing right. against a team like Georgia. On a side note, I think a lot of the guys that you saw opt out at the last second are probably thinking – is bad film better than no film? Because do I really want right. to go out there and, and and put on tape getting beat by 40 points by Georgia in the Orange Bowl? Maybe not. But I also the, – the, my whole point was when you talk about the opt-out situation, let's use Johnny Wilson, for example. What is Johnny Wilson – is the Orange Bowl going to make him any bit more six foot seven? Is the nope. Orange Bowl going to make him run any faster and jump any nope. higher and do the things that the NFL teams want him to do? No, they don't care. So whether he goes out in the Orange Bowl has two yards, two hundred yards, or blows his knee out, he's still six foot seven athlete with freakish, you know, uh, abilities. Right. So like he gains nothing if you've put right. anything. Now, if you want to talk about Daryl Jackson, say he, we expect him to come back next year, but Correct. if he were to try and test the NFL waters. Of course he's going to play in this game. He has no Correct. tape from 2023. No Correct. But you, if you have 13 games worth of tape, you don't need a 14th game. Yep. Now, you'll have guys like, you know, shout out to Kalen DeLoach and Tatum Bethune yeah. and those guys who are sticking around and, and playing in this game. You know, I don't know why. Maybe, hopefully they don't listen to this and they still want to play. But, <laughs> you know, maybe it's just for the love of the game, for the love of the yeah. school and, and to try and up their draft stock. Because, you know, when Alvin played in the Orange Bowl against Michigan, he had a monster game. And yeah, before he did. they tried to trash him off the field, which is BS, yeah. um, you know, that had upped his draft stock at one point. Uh, you know, and I will say one thing before, like, before we move on to the Orange Bowl and, and kind of get over that conversation there. I will say, like, this, man, this really makes you, and this is not a shot at the players, I promise, because I understand why they did it. Man, this makes you appreciate guys like Jordan Travis, guys yeah, who genuinely love yeah. their school, love their coach, and love that program. Right. Because I guarantee you Jordan would have played in the game. I, I, have, I have no doubt about it. Um, you know, and again, that's not a knock at anybody else. It's just – 
you don't see a lot of kids do it for the love of the game anymore. And we jokingly right. had a conversation in pregame or uh, pre-show prep where we were like, yeah, man, I love Florida State. Of course, I would want to suit up for Florida State if they let Absolutely. me. I'd go out there and get ran over by George all day long, as long as I get to win. <laughs> That's play right. Florida, it's fun. <laughs> but you right. got to forget, like people forget, half the players on your team probably took recruiting pictures in blue and orange at some point. That's right. And orange. Like you don't, you don't have too many Derwin James that have like a tattoo. At, Correct. You know, at 16 years old or whatever of Florida State, he knew where he was going. So right. you don't see that a whole lot anymore. Um, so you know, it is what that 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 type of loyalty to the program doesn't really exist to the degree that it used right. to. Right. Um, so let's let's turn back to the Orange Bowl here. And and before we talk about the path of this game and how we see things playing out, I'm gonna set the stage for us a little bit just to weigh the gravity of the complete sham that this game is going to end up being. So for Georgia, they have had a lot of players go into the portal. Now, it's not really been a lot of impact players, and, and we'll get to that in a second. But before I do that, we we are going to kind of talk out of, out of two different conversations here. One is with them being in the game, and two is the rumors are that Amarius Mims and Brock Bowers did not travel with the team to Miami with Georgia. Now... <coughs> When you read the articles, and this was put out by Dogs HQ, which is, I think, Georgia's on three sites, mm -hmm. so it's a credible source. Um, the the articles that I read did say that, like, they could they could they could like, fly in. It's like my brother was joking. He's a Georgia fan. He's like, you watch, Brock Bowers is going to like parachute out of a plane and deliver the game ball in <laughs> through the stadium. Like, it could happen. Correct. But when you when you read the quotes from Kirby's uh, press conference or whatever, where, where he got they got off the team plane and they noticed it. He basically made it sound like they're not going to play because they're not 100%. He said everybody right. who's healthy and and 100% able to be healthy and participating is here ready to go. And obviously that's a challenge with guys who aren't 100% like Brock Bauer. So I think while we know a lot about Florida State's opt-outs, there's no law that says you have to post a graphic on IG Correct. Correct. on Instagram that says I'm not playing. There's no law against that. So you may see some guys for Georgia that aren't listed as opt-outs that just don't play. Like you mentioned, right. Alad McConkey is a guy who's been banged up a lot right. uh, towards the end of the season. You had a guy like Brock Bowers who I don't he didn't even play in Georgia Tech no. because he wasn't healthy. Right. So those could be guys that that aren't going to play. You know, again, the degree of guys that are out for Georgia is not the degree that is going to be out for Florida State. And also, when you talk about blue chip ratios. Uh, Georgia has a third highest in the country at like 78%. Yeah. Florida State's a sub 50%. So who they bring in for those replacements is not quite the same that right. Florida State is bringing in. And, right. you know, people can say that weighs into what you do in the playoffs. Whatnot. That's fine. Florida State was a sum of some really good, talented players right. that happen to be in the same place at the same time. Georgia right. is a depth machine. Right. So, like, it, it's just a different comparison like like for instance and i'll let you share some thoughts on this before i get to the numbers um amarius mims this guy's a five-star tackle nfl prospect probably going to go the first two days probably doesn't play in this game so i was like all right we don't have jared verse could that be something like an eye for an eye type here well right. they're going to bring in a a senior who's basically the same height 20 pounds i think less and was a four-star out of high school mm. and started like 11 games for them this year. So again, like you just look at and we're bringing who, in Edmund, <clears throat> right? You're bringing in Gilbert Edmund. So like, there's just such a huge difference. Now I will also mention, and I'll kick it back to you on this, but uh, to share some thoughts on those guys, one Brock Bowers is by far and away their best player, right? They, they struggled a little bit. Uh, the game was 31, 13 in the fourth quarter for Georgia tech scored late, but they, you know, they, 
didn't play the greatest against Georgia Tech without Bowers. Bowers is the only reason, one of the only reasons why they beat Auburn because Correct. he was uncoverable in that game. He so that's was a, the only reason. That would be a huge loss. And one thing worth mentioning, I don't think this makes a big difference because if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Kirby might even be a DB coach by nature. Uh, Georgia's DB coach is now the, the head coach at Syracuse, so he's not there either. Um, so that could be just something to watch there. But so far, it looks like Mims and Bowers could be out. Maybe right. some guys that you know we haven't heard yet could be out. Right. You might see some guys uh, lined up on the sideline in track suits for Georgia on Saturday. We just won't know until kickoff comes. But if Bowers is out, I know you're working, you're digging deep into the well at Florida State. But that's a huge loss for Georgia. Yeah, that's a big loss because their <clears throat> their offense is geared around getting him the ball. Right. You know, in different ways, in different spaces. I think we were talking about in the pregame, in the pre-show, is that if he did play, you would likely see a lot more zone from Florida State because Florida State just doesn't have anyone. Even if even if Florida State's full complement of players were playing, you know, Florida State didn't have anyone that could really, really like man up on him very right. well. No, no one in the country does. No one in the country does. So let's right. make that clear. Yeah. So you, you, what you saw a lot of teams do was try to they tried to zone off. Uh, uh, Brock Bauer so that, you know, he wasn't beating them for, for 15, 20, 25, 30 yard, you know, at a time he was getting them for five, 10 yards at most. And then uh, Georgia would have to dink and dunk its way down the field. Cause they didn't have as strong of a running game as they typically do. And so that's what you were seeing teams do. Well, so the imagination would be is that Florida State would probably in some way do a lot of that. If Brock Bowers were playing now that Brock Bowers may potentially not play, you'll definitely, if he doesn't play, you'll definitely see a lot more of what traditional Florida State would do, which is their based, you know, four, two, five man coverage defense. Um, they were playing towards the end. I don't know uh, you fans out there watching, if you recognize they were playing more towards the end at four, three, so four down linemen, three linebackers, uh, and then four, uh, uh, four cross uh, um, from the, from the, the backfield side, the corner and D, uh safety side but with with verse gone with lundy gone you'll likely see them more go back to that four two five a lot of man coverage underneath and i actually jesse don't think you're gonna see florida state deviate a lot from what they had been doing which is rotating out their line their players because i think again if at the end of the day, this is all about trying to see who will flash for you, you're going to see them play a lot of young players right? Um, in key moments as well, too. So I don't think you'll see them deviate a lot from like, I don't think you're going to see Pat Payton and, and all those guys and Josh Former play all the snaps available on defense. I don't think you're going to mm -hmm. I don't think Florida State's going to deviate from the plan because remember, they're trying to set up for next year as well, too. So I think you'll still see a lot of those players switching in and out. I at the end of the day, I think if Brock Bowers doesn't play, like you said, Jesse, he's good for at least a touchdown, maybe even two on the score. So if he doesn't play, then I think you see that that game score, uh, you know, trend a little bit closer uh, towards it not being as much of a blowout as it could be if he does play. And I would say this too, you know, Kirby Smart in his uh, in his Orange Bowl uh, uh, interview post. Uh, our press conference uh, yesterday or today, he he basically said that you know Brock Bowers is not a hundred percent. He said that he is not a hundred percent. Right. So if he does play, if he does end up playing, which in my mind would just be dumb. I mean, dude, right. you got a 
right. first round draft pick ticket to the NFL. Go get ready for that. But if he does play, you know, he's not the Brock Bowers that was killing defenses earlier on. He played against Alabama. He had five catches for, for I think, 53 or 58 yards. Right. I and mean, that's something that a lot of the Georgia fans that I talked to after the game when we were kind of like, we're talking, you know, I called some, I'm friends with a lot of uh, Georgia fans. Y'all pray for me on Saturday because I'm going <laughs> to watch the game with a bunch of Georgia fans. So I'm going to be being barked at by grown adults. It is what it is. I'm going to try to do my best to, to uh, hang in there. But they had even <laughs> mentioned, like, right, like they had even mentioned how banged up they were in that Alabama game. They yeah. said that, you know, McConkey was injured, like you said, and uh, Brock Bowers was not healthy in that game. Yeah. So this is a situation where he's not at 100%. And, you know, I mean, unless you're just the ultimate program guy and you just right. really want to help Georgia win, when you see what Florida State's bringing into this game, if I'm Brock Bowers, I'm like, all right, man, you know, if we're if we're full on. This. Right, if we're full on, fine. But, like, guys, I'm not healthy. I'm not going to risk. Honestly, dude, if, and I get he wants to win, but if you're Kirby, you'd probably be like, give me your helmet, man. You're not. Yeah. We, we yeah. got this, bro. Um, you know, so you'll see. And I do think it's funny, too, like when you talk about the difference in how you play the game because he's that good. Yeah. I mean, he is their leading receiver from the tight end position. But I think it's funny, too, when you think back to the Auburn game, we talk about how well they did. And, and like, I was screaming at my TV, too, like, double covered as a friggin' guy. <laughs> but, you know, it was funny. Like, the Auburn defensive coordinator actually came on Twitter afterwards when people were calling him out for it. And he's like, we had extra coverage. It didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. So, so, like, yeah, it's great. We tried, uh, but it didn't work. So, yeah, man, I, I definitely think that, like, it will change the way, that yeah. at least the way you spread out your resources on defense. So we we will talk about that uh, coming up next after we share some numbers with you guys about the production uh, that's going to be missing on how Florida State can get into this game. And if, obviously, Brock Bowers does not play, that's a huge advantage for Florida State right. when you're literally looking for any advantage that you can live. Yeah, you right. know, do you do you have a shorter walk to the field? I, at this point, I'll take it. <laughs> you know what I mean? The coin toss, I'll take it. Like, did you bring more of your band members? I'll take it. I'll give me That's anything right. you can get. Right. So what shoes are the rest wearing? Okay, we'll take that. Exactly. Like uh, I'll uh I will share some numbers real quick to go over just to set the stage how just crazy this game is. So the first off, your starters missing. So right now, UGA really only has one true starter. And now you could count two if you meant uh, as starting punt returners. So they obviously have the Dumas Johnson kid that's out. He was right. their starting linebacker. That's the one starter that's missing. But he had already missed the final four games. So now they've right. had a, you know they've got a guy a few games in there. Uh, it's not it's not like where you know FSU had some guys like dip out the week before the game. Right. I mean, they've had four games to get uh, the replacement going there. Uh, the other guy, Marvin Jones Jr., now is on your team, who, by the right. way, if if I'm, you know, if I'm Mike Norvell, <laughs> I'm going to be like, come here, old, come here, junior. <laughs> Give me some tell intel, bro. What? <laughs> right? Like, I need you to be the Connor Stallions on the sideline right now. I need you to be standing right next to Fuller and all that, like, here or here's what we're doing. Um, you know, or Atkins. And uh, so so that is one guy that's out. But he I think he only started. He played in every game, uh, but he did only start, I think, the Alabama game for them. And then the third guy that's out is a guy who was their starting punt returner, but he only played 85 snaps on offense. Um, and so when you look at the starters out, they're, they're not missing a lot. Now, right. you could bump that up to three if Mims and Bowers do not play. We already talked about the backup for Mims is pretty much not much of a drop-off. The backup for Bowers is. It's, that's a little different. Right. Um, now, for Florida State, now this is this is counting Jordan Travis and Tate Rotomaker because technically they were starters, and you still have Carson Beck playing for Georgia. Um, and, and this is in a two-back set. 
where you right. have counting obviously Toa Philly and Trey Benson. Florida State has 12 starters out. I mean, that's that's tough. You know, that that's tough for anybody to overcome. Players with 200 plus snaps. Now, this is teams play on average about eight to nine hundred snaps on each side of the ball throughout a given season. So these are like starters to heavy rotational depth players. Think about a Malcolm Ray and things like that. Right. UGA has three missing out of this game, five without Mims and Bowers. Florida State has 15. Wow. 15 players that have played at least 200 plus snaps are out for this game. And five at worst right now that we know of, if Mims and Bowers don't play. Now, like we said, there could be further guys that we just have that have not been announced yet. So you have literally five times as many as they do. That's or three with Bowers and, and Mims. That's 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 uphill battle, guys. Um, so now let's look at some numbers that are even more depressing. But I promise <laughs> you, I mean this in the nicest way possible. Um, so your production missing. So passing yards. UGA is missing 4.2% of their passing yards from a backup quarterback. Florida State's missing 96.8% of your passing yards by your starting two quarterbacks. Uh, your passing touchdowns, UGA is missing 8% again by their backup. Florida State's missing 100%. They have zero passing touchdowns coming into this game. They have a rushing touchdown from Brock Glenn, but, but that's it. So now your total production missing yardage-wise from your skill positions because that's really where Florida State got hit the most. Because both teams, their their offensive lines are pretty much intact. So right. just from the skill positions, UGA is down 3.7%, 15.6% if Bowers does not play. So that that right there tells you how big of a yeah. difference he is. I mean, he's literally 12% of their production. Well, that's not quite as close to Florida State, who's missing 73.5% <laughs> of their yardage production. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for some numbers that aren't quite as good as that, you're looking at your scoring numbers here from the Correct. score positions. 1.7% is out for Georgia, 13.3 without Bowers, 84.2 for Georgia or wow. Florida State. So, guys, I mean, again, this is just this is I mean, it's it just tells you. And, and I have some numbers here that are not necessarily missing, but this just shows you the two different lineups that are lining up. So combined snaps. And this is on the offensive side of the ball at the skill positions only. This is not offensive line. This is offensive skill positions. UGA is coming into this game with 3,670 combined snaps, 3,245 without Bowers. Florida State's coming into this one with 1,457 combined snaps. Only 1,202 of those were at the same position. And Kyle Morlock accounts for 35% of that. Yep. So 952. So less than a thousand snaps without Kyle Morlock. So that's 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 rough, man. And then a couple other numbers I'll share on the offensive side of things again at the skill position. Combined touches on the season. UGA has 916, 861 without Bowers. <laughs> Florida State coming into this one is at 107. That's including Ja'Kai Douglas's receiving touches, which yeah. would be 95 if you count him at running back. Uh combined yards. Oh man, this is crazy. UGA is bringing into this game 7,869 combined yards, 7,160 without Bowers. Four State's bringing in 990. Oh, my uh, 760 at their respective position. Oh, there's more, Michael. Like, like, a, like a good info musher. <laughs> and there's wait. more. Just wait. There's more. Uh, UGA, 67 combined touchdowns coming into this game, 61 without Bowers. Florida State, four. Four. One, two, three, and four. And I heard their entire two deep has eight. Uh, right. So, yeah, man, it's tough. Now, just to run through a little bit quicker on defensive side of things, it's a little bit closer because a lot of Florida State's defense is still intact here. 
missing production tackles. Georgia's at 11.6, Florida State's at 30.1% missing. TFLs, Georgia 18.4, Florida State 35.4. Uh, sacks, Georgia's down 19%, Florida State's down 31.1. Your interceptions, 0% for Georgia, 50% for Florida State. Uh, your PBUs, they're down 6.7%, and Florida State is down 36.4. So yeah. the reason we just went through those numbers is to just put through the gravity of the situation that yeah. even if they lose Bowers, who is by far and away their best player, they're still in way better shape yeah. than Florida State is coming into this game. So you're yeah. going to have to kind of create some things out of nothing because you got some guys, you know, and not everybody is a true freshman. There's a lot of true freshmen on the roster that are stepping into these positions. Not everybody's a true freshman, but the experience when you look at those numbers are just not there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's just not the same team. I mean, I think right. anybody who doesn't have their blinders on, who right. isn't a, uh, a rival of this team, anybody who's looking at this team objectively will should be able to say and could be able to say and should, or yeah, I already said should, uh, is that this is just not the same team. It's just right. not. And so to to judge this team and say, well, they didn't deserve to to be in this uh, to the playoffs because look look at how bad they are. Well, it's not the same team that was playing all season. Right. I mean, this team would have been in the Tax Slayer Bowl. Could, um, not even that. The Maybe. El Paso Bowl out in you know only the, the Tiger Sun Bowl. Yeah, exactly. We'd be in whatever bowl Miami's playing in. <laughs> We might be whatever bowl the uh, Gators are playing. Oh, wait, they're not playing in a uh, bowl game. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll let, I'll, I hate to interrupt you, but if it makes you want to feel any better, guys, just think about it like this. You're Yeah, you're a 20-point dog to Georgia with half your team out. Miami is a dog to Rutgers. I saw Florida, that. And Florida's not even playing in a bowl. So No, no, no. Know. Florida, Florida's a dog to their couch. They're yeah. an underdog to their couch right now. The couch has the upper hand. So... That's funny, but know, you know, man. but the whole point is like, this is just not the same team. I mean, you, you have so eloquently walk us through, I mean, look at those percentages. I mean, even on defense, you know, Georgia has 18% of their defense basically missing. Florida state has on average 30% of their defensive production yep. missing. Right. And on offense, it's just ridiculous. 60, 70% of Florida state's offensive production is gone. I mean, we have four touchdowns, right? Right. You four. like, I had notes that you're missing your leader in passing, rushing, receiving, uh, PBUs, interceptions, and sacks. Peyton leads a little bit by in tackles for loss, but you know versus second, so you're missing them too. So you've been gutted at yeah. basically every position of you know of importance. And, and man, it's just it's going to be hard to keep up again when you talk about a team that's so decimated by absence of players. And again, that's right. not a knock on the players. That's not no. on the staff. They're going to line it up. They're going to try to win. They're going to do the best that they can. Right. It's just it is what it is, man. This is the right. situation at hand. So, uh, would that can I say this real quick, Jesse? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've been I've been hearing this argument that, especially from rival fan bases, looking at you, Miami and Florida, that oh, this is just indicative of the program. These kids weren't bought in. Uh, it's a one year sham. Uh, this program is crumbling. All like that stuff. Stop it. Stop it. This program is not crumbling. This is not indicative of, of the culture of, of the program. This is just indicative of the situation that this team has been put in. But the bones and structure of this program is still good. We're still climbing. We're still going to beat you next year. So I don't want to hear all this trash talk about, oh, Florida State's worthless. This is only a one-year deal. They'll be back to nobody's next year. No, when we're standing at the end of the clock again beating you, uh, Miami at your trash dump of a stadium, Florida at Dope Campbell Stadium next year. Again, we'll be able to tell you again that we're still the best and the greatest program in the state of Florida, bar none. 
That's all right, I got to say about that. And you can't say that this situation is different than that situation or whatever. This is a situation is unprecedented. There's Correct. never been an undefeated power five champion who yeah, had out. like 75% of their players who very well could have moved on last year, come back to win a national championship and then right. get screwed out of the opportunity to Correct. do that. This is completely different. And people act like, you know, even Georgia, again, yeah. the, the one of the top six teams in the country, they got 15, 17, 19 players in the portal or something like right. that now. So like, this is everywhere, man. This right. is just college football. Everybody's hitting it. And it's, and again, it's a byproduct of, you know, one, the game has been made meaningless by the situation, but it's also, this game is what, three days before the right. portal window right. ends. So if you're going right. to be in, you're not going to play in this game. Like maybe if you played in a, in a meaningless bowl game, December 18th, and right. you still had a few weeks after, maybe Correct. it's different. I doubt yeah. it because it would have been an even less meaningful right. bowl game, but you know, it is what it is, neither here nor there. But it is a unique situation. So I right. don't think you can say that this is like some kind of culture problem. Right. I know it's people not. are like, you know, people are pissed off about all these different things and, and everybody's waiting on a portal quarterback. You know, Mike's probably if he's got a portal quarterback, it's probably sitting in his back pocket and he's waiting for that till after the game when when things aren't looking so good to pull out some good news or or maybe he maybe maybe we announce that we land somebody Saturday before the game so everyone forgets right. about the game in the first place. Um but we'll talk about Georgia a little bit. Then we'll talk about how Florida State gets into this game and some of the things that we're going to be watching. So just a couple of quick, important stats, the need to knows about Georgia, some things that I think could be play a difference in this game. First and foremost, the stat that stood out to me the most was turnover margin. Florida State has been excellent this year, uh, plus 12, tied for fourth in the country. Keep in mind, Jordan was very safe with the ball. That has a lot to do with it. Uh, but Georgia is minus one, 76 in the country in turnover margin. So if you're looking for a way to Florida State to get in this game, I think it has a lot to do with maybe creating some turnovers. That's going to be huge in this. So Georgia does have the ninth-ranked offense, 38 points per game. They're top five in third-down offense, top 10 in passing offense, and sacks allowed. Uh, so, you know, you're going to have a hard time getting pressure on Carson Beck. Uh, they're top 20 in red zone offense, and they have faced only – this is something to watch in this game. I'm telling you guys, this is something that I think is big in here. Uh, this is why when I talk to a lot of people who were Georgia fans going into the SEC championship game, you know, I had more than more than three Georgia fans tell me they thought they were going to get into the 40s in that game scoring-wise. And I was like, guys, I, you know, I'm looking at the numbers because they asked me to kind of look into their game like I look into our games. And I was like, you guys have not played a top 35 defense the entire season. Yeah. Alabama was at, at 16th or 18th when they played. I was like, you yeah. might not score 40 points against the best defense that you faced all season. So they've only faced one, the current 16th ranked uh, defense in the top 35 all year. And they put up 24 points in that game. So I think that's how Florida State obviously gets into this game with some turnovers and, and relying on their defense. Now, when you look at Georgia's defense, they're tied for eighth in the country, 16.6 points per game allowed. It's a good defense. I mean, they're 11th yep. in pass rush or pass defense, 29th in rush defense, which is good because you're going to need to run the ball a lot in yep. this game. They're literally number one in third down defense. That's not exactly uh, terrific, but they are 121st in red zone defense. So if mm. you get down there, you need to try and capitalize on the points. And they are tied for 44th in sacks. Florida State put up 45 sacks this year. They only put up 29. So I feel like the key to this game on offense for, for Florida State is going to be keeping Brock upright. And if they're not yeah. a team that's created a ton of pressure, now they, they pressured Milrow. They just didn't get a lot of sacks. Maybe that plays into your hands. And now they have played three top 25 scoring offenses. So they, they have faced some tough competition. So that's the need to know about Georgia. So now let's transition into like, all right, Michael, we got to circle the wagons because this is what we got and they're going to line yep. it up. Yep. So what yep. can Florida State do <clears throat> to try and keep this game a game? I mean, I, 
of course you're going to try and go out and win. Mike Norvell's right. probably got some things in the tank that 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 he's waiting to pull out. But now we got to figure out how Florida State wins, and and, and it's kind of it sucks, man, because like we did this throughout the season where it's like we would ask the other team, how does a right. Wake Forest find a way to win against Florida right. State? Well, daggone it! Now we got to how does Florida State find a way to win against Georgia? And I have some thoughts, but I'll let you share some uh, as well. And we'll do some keys to the game later on. So, but but this is just going to be how does Florida State find a path to making this game competitive? Yeah. Well, I think you you look at what you did against Louisville and you expand it. I'm right. talking this this I'm talking about the offense first. You look what you did against Louisville and you expand it. I think now that Brock Bowers, let, let's be real, Brock did not find out he was going to start that ACC championship game until minutes before the game. Oh, Brock Literally. Glenn. Yeah, Brock Glenn. Sorry. Too, too Brock, many Brocks. Yeah, too many Brocks. So Brock Glenn did not find out he was going to start the ACC championship game until right before the, right. the game. And so the, the that whole week of practice was basically a game plan built for both Tate and Brock. Right. And so, you know, you, you, you the, and uh, on the, on the press conference for the orange bowl, Brock Glenn came out and said that, you know, the, the whole mentality that the coaches kept telling him was to own the football, to protect the football at all costs. Don't do anything that would turn that ball over. And so that was their whole focus. So they called plays centered around making sure that he wasn't going to turn the ball over. Now, if you go back and watch that Louisville game, there are about three or four passes there that should have been picked yeah. off, but they dropped it. So thank goodness for that. Um, but again, that was the whole game plan. I think now he's had, you know, I think he said he, in his, pre in the press conference, he said that, you know, on his way back from Christmas, as he was driving back, that's when Mike Norvell called him and said, Hey, you're going to get the start, um, for the game because of Tate, which we'll talk about in, the, in a moment there. But, um, and so he's had a whole week and a half to really try to get, uh, ready for this game. He's got a whole week, the whole game plan, as uh, uh, Alex Atkins said in his press game or press conference, that the whole game plan is built around Brock and what Brock can do well. And right. so I think you open up the playbook and give him a chance. You're probably going to start the game off again, like Louisville, with some short, easy completions to get him in the rhythm of that. You're going to see how fast, which you're going to find out very quickly how fast this Georgia defense can get from sideline to sideline. So you're probably going to see some scratch plays, probably going to see some bubble screens. You're going to see some throws out to the, to the, to the boundary or to the wide side of the field, just to see, just to get the defense's eyes moving uh, as much as you can. You're going to probably see a heavy, heavy dosage of run game, a lot of counter, a lot of uh, pin and pull, whatever you want to call it there. Uh, you're probably going to see a lot of that. And then I think eventually at some point, you're going to have to open up the playbook wide and let him take some shots down the field. Let him take some shots in the middle of the field to see if you can get that Georgia defense. Because if I'm Georgia, if I'm Kirby Smart and the defensive staff, I'm saying, all right, we got a true freshman who's literally making his second start. And after what I just saw he put on film against the ACC championship, I'm playing my quarters press, my corners press man up on the wide receivers' faces. These are not the same wide receivers. It's not not Johnny Wilson, not Keon Coleman, not any of those guys. So I'm going to play up, I'm going to press him, and I'm going to put eight in the box, and I'm going to dare them to throw on me because I don't think they can. And so I think eventually Mike Norrell is going to have to call some plays that are going to get some downfield shots to that and just see what you got, see what you see what you can get um, from that. I think eventually if you're, if you're looking, I think the goal on offense would be is to either obviously be up at half or to be no no further down than maybe 21-3. If you can right. get to half down 21 
and you got a you got some points on the on the score on the scoreboard there you're down maybe 21 points you're down maybe 17 points whatever that looks like then i think you you then i think you feel like okay i we've we've got a semblance of a chance to make this somewhat of a decent game uh in the second half i think if you're but i think if you're beyond that if it, if you're looking at 28 to 35 points and you've got maybe a field goal maybe a touchdown i think then you're probably like all right you know, let's let's just get some of these younger kids in. Let's see what's going yeah. on. And and we're just building for next year. Yeah, I agree. And and I'll be honest, man, like the depth chart took a little bit of wind out of my sails. I was a little I came in here trying to be a little confident yesterday, um, you know, but man, I still see a path where Florida State can at least keep it close. Now, I think it's worth mentioning, too, for those who haven't seen the, the depth chart. One, Brock Glenn is obviously the quarterback. The true yeah. freshman is going to get your going to get the start there now. I think what's important for Brock Glenn is a couple of things that you mentioned. One, he's had a start under his belt right. now, and it was in the ACC championship game. It was as big of a stage as you can as you can right. get. Like the Orange Bowl may technically be a quote unquote bigger game against a quote unquote bigger team in Georgia versus Louisville and all that type of stuff, top five or top six matchup and everything. There's nowhere near the pressure here. No. And 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 I think that you, you know, you bring up a good point of the way they handled that game. They knew going into that game that we were all under the assumption right. that you win and you're going to the playoffs. Right. So basically, you just can't F this up until right. you get Tate Rotomaker back in the playoffs. Right. And so you played with a game plan not to lose. You weren't right. necessarily trying to win with your freshman quarterback. You were trying not to lose. Right. And you knew you had a really good defense, and that's what they did. And so they, they did not go out there and ask him to throw it a lot. They didn't ask him to do a lot of things. Other than, like you said, keep the ball safe. Well, now right. you've had that start under your belt. There's not as much pressure. You can make a few mistakes. Right. You've had another month to prepare. And although the timing of Tate Rotomaker's opt-out was terrible, you at least have this week to prep as the right. starter. So you know with your mindset, if nothing else, going into this game, that you are going to be the starter. So I think right. that will be big for his confidence. I think right. that will be... Also, having that ACC championship game gives Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins an idea to know what Brock Glenn can do in a game situation and what he can't, the right. things that he can excel at and the things that he that he can't. Um, and then, uh, you know, a couple of things that I, I do want to touch on this is I think when you look at the offense, the offensive line is for the most part intact. Right. Now, these guys literally limped through that ACC championship game. Yes, they game. did. So they've had a month to get healthy, and they're flat out going to have to play better in this game than they did in the ACC championship game. Right. Now, I understand injuries were a big part of that, but Georgia's a better not, – not, Louisville has a legit front seven. Right. I'm not saying they're Georgia's front seven because they're no. not. You're going to be tested more than you've been tested all season against right. this front seven. So you are going to have to play better because they were all over Brock in that right. game. So that you know that that's going to have to happen as well. And you are going to need guys around him to step up in this game. Right. And – I, I want to point that out because when you look at what Brock did in that ACC championship game, he had a few terrible throws. Well, I'm not here to excuse that. A few of those terrible throws should have been picked off. Like oh, you said. Man. At least probably two or three of them. But I also think when, when I went back and watched the TV copy of this game, so, you know, he, Mike Norvell drew up a really nice play in the ACC championship game where they had been running it a little bit with Brock and he kind of did like a fake run, bounced yeah. out, hit Keon right over the middle. Keon drops it. 
dropped it. So, like, that didn't help a freshman quarterback. So then Brock comes back and hits uh, Johnny Wilson with a beautiful back shoulder throw on third down. He shows you that he can make some throws yep. now. It, they're yep. not all on target. That's, yeah. the, that's the problem with freshmen. It's not that they can't make the throws. Right. Just sometimes they make throws that make you go, oh, sh like, that's what, <laughs> that, like, Tate Rotomaker is good for at least one a game. Yes. Um, and, and then he drops a dime down the sideline to Keon. For about 15 or so yards, Keon bobbled it, couldn't bring it in before he went out of bounds. Correct. Again, you're not helping this guy. So, yes, Brock only threw for 55 yards in the ACC championship game, but Keon alone dropped 55 yards worth of passes that were on Correct. target that hit him in Correct. the hands. You know, they also had a 20-yard run by Brock called back on a holding call. Probably wouldn't have been a 20-yard run without the holding, but, you know, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> and then, you know, Morlock dropped a big third down pass. Right. That was a contested catch. Now, it wasn't just, like, wide open. And after that, when they showed the sideline, man, Norvell was pissed. Ooh, his he eyes. Said, he said some words on the sideline that I will not repeat on YouTube because this is a family-friendly <laughs> show. Um, but when you look at that, man, Florida State was credited with probably not enough, but uh, two drops per PFF nah, in that. Yeah. And they, I, I believe it was more than that. They went one of four on contested catches, and they allowed pressure on 53.6% of the dropbacks. Now, you also, if you think back to the Florida game, they have were two of 10 on contested catches Correct. for Tate. So, like, I know none of the guys who played in that game are, are playing in this one, but you got to have guys step up and help Brock out. You cannot drop passes that hit you in the hands. You cannot, you know, when you when you break off a run, you cannot get called for a holding call. You cannot allow him to get throw under pressure every single time. Yeah. I also agree with you. You're going to have a heavy run dose, a dose yeah. of running in this game. But, man, like – how do you run it 50 times in a game when you have two scholarship running backs? Like yep. you're just running out of options. So because I Holmes is going to get the start at running back. Yep. This is something I'm ex I'm personally I'm excited about. Like if you want to look for things to be excited about, I think because I Holmes was an absolute steal yep. in the portal from Penn, uh, from, yep. from Penn State. I think this is a guy that I was hoping to get carries all year. Uh, more carries sometimes when Trey had a hard time getting going. 5'11", 208, redshirt junior. He's not a right. freshman. I'm excited about this guy. You got a freshman behind him and Sam Singleton. You have a receiver, Ja'Kai Douglas, who has Yay, Ja'Kai, let's go. Like, he's stepping in for Toa Philly because Toa yeah. Philly's out. So, like, yeah. I, that tells me they're probably going to do a lot of throwing easy, quick throws out yep. of the backfield. Yep. Uh, you know, hey, Joshua Burrell sighting uh, hey. on, on the depth chart. I see him. Like, bro, I didn't even – I follow Florida State as close as anybody, and I was like, hey, he's still on the team. So, like – Let's uh, go, you know, Joshua Burrell. But, hey, man, I, like I said in the pre-show, I think he squatted like 600 pounds as a freshman. So, you might find something in there. Yeah. Uh, then you got Portier, Destin Hill, Darren Williamson, your starting receivers there. Yep. Again, not a lot of experience, but you have guys 6'3", 205 for Portier, 6'3", 204 for Williamson. So, they're – you know, they got size. Well, and listen, you, you I mean, got Portier guys who was, made plays. Right. Portier was your number two receiver behind John and Wilson, Wilson two seasons ago where he was like dynamic. I mean, you – you were going to him in the clutch. And so he had injury derailed, you know, most of his season this year. But, you know, so you got a player who's proven himself. You got Hakeem Williams that's, you know, sitting second on that depth chart. You got Destiny Hill who, if he is, Destiny Hill, if he is fully strength, I mean, that dude is a blazer, a, right. a, a slot receiver who's going to get you some stuff. Right. Right. And while he doesn't have a lot of experience, he's only a true freshman by definition. Correct. Because he's, he's a boy what, 20. Right. Like he can buy alcohol as a freshman. <laughs> 
<laughs> so like you know he that he he's physically matured enough right right to go out there and compete so like yeah there's some guys i mean you still got kyle morlock he's a, right. a quality player for you uh at the other tight end position you have jackson west who really hasn't played at all so you know right. you may not see a lot of two tight end set there um and then like we said your offensive line is pretty much intact out of bless uh, harris yeah right so so you feel good about those guys having some time to to get in shape and again you think about the pit game where yes you had jordan travis in there but you did not have your two top guys and Johnny nope. and Keon. And he threw, he went out and threw for 360 yards, almost his That's highest right. total for the season, may have even been the highest total. You know, Ja'Kai had a 115 yard game. He's available for this one. Morlock put up 80 yards. He's available for this one. Um, you know, so you have a lot of guys there that, that have the potential. You just have to, I, I agree with you. I think at some point you have to live and die with the freshman. You know, again, that doesn't always work out. Think about Clemson right. and, and Tennessee in the Orange Bowl That's last right. year. Kate, Kate Klubnik had been in spot duty here and there, played a majority of the ACC championship game, right. beat them, had a great game, but North Carolina doesn't play defense. So, you know, you can't take too much from that. But then he looked like a freshman. Right. Like he had like five turnovers or something, or like three interceptions and five sacks or something yep. like that against Tennessee, yep. and they got blown out. But yep. you let him, you let, you let live with play. that, man. You, you got to right. let, you got to let him play. So, yeah, I think. I think it's going to be tough sledding in this one. I, I think it's really hard to imagine how they're going to score. And yeah. even if they do score, how they're going to score somewhere in at least a 20-point range, which, I mean, you got to imagine if you don't score 20, you're not going to win. No, no. Um, so then that that you know that's pretty much the offense, and then and then so I think we'll we'll take a few minutes to talk about the defensive side of things here, and, and how does Florida State allow themselves to get back in the game? Because you have to imagine that this is going to be the way that you keep yourself in this game is with your defense that is for the most part still intact. I mean, you're missing Akeem Dent, you're missing Jared Verse, you're missing Fabian Lovett, you're missing uh, Jerry and Jones, you're missing Renato Green. I mean, it doesn't sound good. You're missing DJ Lundy and some other depth guys, but you do have, you still have Gilbert Edmond who has some SEC experience, has played for you a little bit here. Your defensive line, you get, uh, you get Daryl Jackson back. So that's probably, that's right. you know, maybe an eye for an eye with Fabo there. Yep. You, Farmer is playing. He is on the depth chart. That was something that's we right. weren't sure about. So your defensive line outside of verse looks pretty decent. Like you said, they'll probably go to a four two five look because you only really have two linebackers with experience right. there. Um, and then your secondary, yeah, you're missing some pieces, but I still like Shaheen Brown. He was your starter. Kevin Knowles, bless you, but I'd rather see Conrad Husky in this game, no offense. Um, you know, so he may play a couple different positions, but you still got Cypress, you still got Zarya Thomas, who's a, who's a great player, right. um, has some length, 6'2", 194, maybe if you have to cover Bowers, but you still have enough pieces. I think it's a question of can you hold them to under 30 points? I think that's a right. tough ask. Right. But I also think that this is still probably, even with the guys that are out, knowing the replacements you have, and this is probably – you know, I'd say this is probably still a top 35 defense somewhere. It may not be a top 10 defense like like it was with all its pieces, but this is still a decent top 35-ish uh, defense talent-wise that, you know, again, you think about Georgia was held to 27 against Auburn, was held to 24 against against Georgia. Like, they haven't been a scoring machine outside of the Kentucky and the Ole Miss games. Right. So if you can hold them without Bowers, I feel a lot better about this. If you can hold them to 31 or less – you give yourself a puncher's chance. Right, it's right. just, it's can they do that? And and can the Florida State offense not put them in tough situations where they're being asked to do that in a short field? That's really going to be it. But you still have guys like Braden Fisk who right. can, who, you know, he played edge at, at Western Michigan. He's played That's edge right. for you a little bit here. That's right. You can kick him outside if you need to. You still got Dennis Briggs, yep. Daniel Lyons. You still got some guys up front. So if you can, you know, and I'll kick it back to you on this, but when you look at the, the Alabama in that game, so, 
in the SEC championship game, Milrow only completed one pass the entire first quarter. Mm. They threw for under 200 yards in the entire game, and they managed to hold Georgia to under 100 yards rushing. The game was 7-3 to three in, at the end of the first quarter, so only completing one pass. Right. So, like, if Florida State can just slow the game down, and I think yep. at some point you're going to have to feel the game out. Yep. Are we able to stay in this? Does this look overwhelming for our team? Yeah. Maybe you, you pull out some trick plays. You also have to keep in mind that Brock Glenn is your only – scholarship quarterback on the roster correct if you take some chances with him you're going to a walk-on redshirt freshman you're cooked at that point it's right. over right. um but yeah man i think if you can kind of slow play this game yeah. and let your defense if they can play better than you think you know yeah. maybe georgia doesn't have bowers maybe you find a way to at least get close to covering the spread and and i I know you'll touch on this as well as me. We both feel the same way. We do not reside in Moral Gables, Florida, so nope. we are not, That's looking, right. That's we're right. not looking for moral uh, moral victories here. But That's man, right. I feel like if you can get out of this game you know, just not losing by 30 points, that, yeah. that's in a sense a victory knowing what you had to work with. But I, I think the path is you know, you're going to have to rely on that defense and you're going to have to have some guys step up around that freshman quarterback. So I, I'll yeah. let you share some thoughts on the defense and, and what they can do to keep Florida State in this game. Well, before I do that, man, you know who else has been super reliable that I think we can rely on in this season? Alumni Hall. I really feel like Alumni Hall is like they've been so reliable. So if there's anything in this Orange Bowl that we can rely on, it's Alumni Hall. Jesse, you tell us a little bit about Alumni and Hall. Saving the day because I even had a note in the biggest caption I could have, and I went right by it. So exactly, guys. Florida State may not win this game, but you can win with Alumni Hall. You can load up with gear and let people know that no matter the outcome, you're still proud to be a Florida State Seminole. That's and you right. can do that with getting 10% off by using code SPEAR. Location in Tallahassee is 1817 Thomasville Road, or you can go online to alumnihall.com slash Florida State. Navigate over to their page, shop online, pick up in the store, shop online, have it sent to your front door. Either way, you're getting 10% off with Code Spear. So way to come in with the save, Michael. Uh, yeah. You are going to get my Orange Bowl preview show MVP. Thank now you. Opted back in, so appreciate Thank you. That. Thank you. Yeah, well, just like Alumni Hall, man, this defense is what we're going to have to depend on in this game. Yep. Um, you know, for the most part, when you look at, let's start from the back end. I'm going to work the back end all the way up to the front end. From the back end, you're only missing Akeem Dick. And yes, that's a crucial part of this defense. He helps get that that back end. He helps get that back seven into the right position. Uh, but I think, you know, with Shaheen Brown still there, I think that's huge. I think that's going to help out. I imagine that a lot of the calls will go to the buck, which is Shaheen Brown. So I imagine that he will be making a lot of those back end calls there. And I think that that as long as your front four can can at least give you some penetration, right. they can do some pressure. You're not going to put your back seven into, you know, where they're having to guard for, you know, the, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine seconds. That that's where you get in trouble at, as a secondary. If you're having right. to to cover those players for more than, you know, three to four seconds. So if 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 your front floor can do that, I have all the confidence in the world that if if, you know, you know, Lad McConkie or Brock Bowers is not playing. Let's just be honest. Georgia's got some blue chip players at wide receiver and at tight end, whoever that kid is that comes in behind Brock Bowers, for sure. They're they're good players. So we can't we can't skip on that. But they're not all world beater players. They have at least right. they haven't proven to be that just yet. And this Florida State passing defense is 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 a highly ranked pass defense. 
Right. That, that, there's a reason why teams don't throw on Florida State. There's a reason why Louisville, who came in as one of the best offenses in the country, only scored six points in that game. Right. 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 And 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 yes, Jared Verse was a beast in that game. But Jared Verse wasn't a beast until only the towards the end of that game. It's really you're looking at Braden Fist. You're you're looking at Josh Farmer. They were doing some damage in that game early right. on. Right. And right. so that's what gives me hope as far as like keeping the game close. I'm not we're not predicting that Florida State's going to win, but uh, keeping the game closer than expected. I think that's where you're looking at. You're looking at that back seven that's being able to kind of not shut down, but at least keep everything in front of them. You know, this is really where we talk about a bend but don't break defense. Well, this is really where we're going to probably see a lot of that come to, to fruition where Florida State might give up, you know, 10 yards, 15 yards here or there, but not giving up the big play, you know, looking at you, Kevin Knowles, not giving up a bus in the back yeah. end, uh, you know, Tatum Bethune and 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 Kalen Deloach. Listen, these are your star. These have been your starting linebackers all season long. Right. They're playing in this game. You have Pat Payton, Pat Payton, uh, one of your DEs who started all year long. You have Josh Farmer who didn't necessarily start, but man was coming in and playing significant minutes on the D line. Braden Fist started all year long. He's playing, and and so yeah, yes, you're replacing Jared Verse, and so the. The, the the hard part about Jared versus the while he didn't have like those super dynamic numbers you were thinking he was, he took so much of the attention of the offensive line. It opened up opportunities for Pat Payton and for Braden Fritt, Braden Fist and 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 uh Fabian Lovett to 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 have deeply uh impactful games. I still think that's possible. I still think you will have yep. the opportunity to to impact this line and and and, and allow or or give your yourself a chance to make this game close you know to to hold georgia within that like you said man against top defenses georgia did not score 30 points they didn't score right. 30 points against alabama and so yes you're missing akeem dent you're missing jerry and jones and you're missing uh uh jared verse three of your most impactful players oh fabian love it sorry four of your most impactful players but man you you still have 75% of your defense there. This should be able to give you a fight, a puncher's chance. Right, right. Game. And I think, man, like Braden Fisk is an absolute animal. Like, I think he is he is underrated. He is one of my favorite players that they've gotten out of the portal. Yeah. I mean, just dude is, he never takes a playoff. And, yep. you know, they have said before in practice that Daryl Jackson has, they've almost had to take him out of practice because right. it was hard to practice because he's so Correct. disruptive. Now, this is a guy that's going to be fresh. He has, no, he's not banged up. Now he's been practicing all year. So he's in game shape. Right. He just hasn't played in a game. So right. he, there may be some rust to get off, right. but he's, he's fresh in a sense. So, you know, if he can come out and be a dominant force for you that, right. that you hope now he wasn't necessarily a dominant guy at Miami, but right. Let's just say he really wants to play with his hair on fire for the one right. game he gets this season. If he plays dominant and Fisk plays dominant and Pat Payton does what Pat Payton does, right? Then, like it, you know, you got a chance and you got two really good linebackers, like you said, that were your starters playing in this game. And even some of the ones that are stepping in in the secondary, like, yeah, you don't have Renardo, but now you're relying on Azaria. Renardo's right. a, a daggone good corner. Right. You know, he's going to play on Sundays. Right. But Azari is a higher ceiling guy. I mean, let's be right. honest. Like, this is, he's going to play on Sundays. So 
he's got some experience now, so you don't see maybe not see the freshman bust. But I think if you cannot let Carson Beck sit back there and pick you apart, right? Because they throw for over 300 yards a game, then you have an opportunity. And two things that I will say on that as well is you mentioned like the top 35 defense that we had talked about before. Alabama did hold them to a season low in yards, yards per play, tied for the lowest amount of points, and they were held under 100 yards rushing. So if you have that type of day, and and no, your offense is not as good as Alabama's in its current right. form. Right. Defense-wise, maybe, maybe not. You Maybe not quite there, but you're not really, I don't think you're that far off. So if right. you can, if you could keep Georgia to 30 points or less, I think you give yourself a puncher's chance. Do I think you're going to score 30 points on Georgia without some turnovers, some special teams, some strip sacks, some things like that? No, probably not. But you never know. I mean, Deuce Span has broke a, a kickoff or two, so that right. could be an opportunity there. Um, you know, and, and the last thing I will say on, on talking about Florida State against Georgia, too, is keep in mind that everybody talks about a month to prepare and, and all this stuff. And, and you know, hey – Michael, maybe maybe Mike is just playing 3D chess. He said, watch this, Kirby. You ain't going to have a month to prepare for because half right. our players are going to be <laughs> – we're pulling the old right. – the bait and switch on you. Like, you've been preparing for Tate for a whole month. Well, guess what, buddy? Guess what? Tate ain't here. So, But I will say to that that Adam Fuller had all offseason to prepare for the number one scoring offense yep. in college football in 2023 yeah, and held them to 17 non-garbage time points. So, right. you know, let's not throw any shade about Adam Fuller getting a month to prepare right. too. Right. So, you know, hopefully, again, I think the goal is if you can just hold them. And I think, you know, a couple more talking points before we, before we wrap this up is which Georgia team, because we haven't really talked about Georgia a whole lot. Right. Which Georgia team is going to show up for this game? Because this is the first time in really about three years that they played a meaningless bowl game. And right. what is going to be their motivation? Because, right. I mean, you could say maybe they come out and beat a, a Florida State team with half its players out by 50 points. It, right. Maybe they want to prove something to the committee, too. They're, they're not going to put them in the playoffs. No. So it doesn't make a difference. So what's your motivation? And then when you look back at their last three non-playoff bowl games, it's 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 pretty interesting. So here's the record coming into the game and then how it went. So in 2020, they were 7-2. and two. This was the COVID year, obviously. Um, they beat 9-0 and Cincinnati by three points, 24-21. Cincy did not play a Power 5 opponent until they played Georgia. Uh, 2019, 11-2 Georgia beat 11-2 Baylor, 26-14. Not, you know, not they didn't beat the brakes off of them. And in 2018, 11-2 Georgia went in and lost to 9-4 and Texas, 28-21. So Georgia, and, and again, most of you guys know that I've talked about this in the past at nauseum, that I'm related to, I'm married to Georgia fans. I, I keep up, Georgia's in my peripherals throughout <laughs> the season. You know, look at that game last year against Oregon. They yeah. came in and beat the breaks off Oregon. They yeah, get they up do. for big games. Yeah, they do. But they play down to the competition a lot. Look at the South Carolina game. Look at the Auburn game. Like, look at a lot of these close games. The the Mizzou game, the Georgia Tech game, they played down to teams that they are far more talented than. So right. if they're not overly interested in this game, you know, then maybe you maybe you get Florida State inspired because they're young guys that are excited to seize an opportunity, and maybe they can sneak up on them. Now, Georgia also did beat a ranked Mrs. or old Miss team, fifty-two to seventeen. They put up six hundred yards, averaged ten yards per play against the number forty scoring defense. They blew Tennessee out, thirty-eight to ten. They were a top forty scoring defense. So if they wake up and they decide to play. You might be cooked whether you whether you you fight hard or not. You might be in trouble. Um, and and the other thing I will say, talking about Georgia too, is that a lot of their tough games came on at home. They did right. the, really the only tough game they played 
on the road was the Tennessee game and then the neutral site against right. Alabama, which they lost. And, you know, the thing to me, again, like when you when you think about it, they beat Vandy 37 to 20. Vandy's two and 10, the worst. Yeah. I think they're 0 and 8 in SEC play. So, like, is this version of Florida State better than Vanderbilt? Would they beat Vanderbilt? Like, of course, you could go, yeah, well, they beat Ole Miss worse than they beat Vanderbilt. But, like, if you know, if they beat a 2 and 10 team 37 to 20, it makes you think that maybe Florida State's not going to get TCU'd 59 to 6 or, or whatever, sure. 59 to 3. So, like, that's, that's just kind of where I look at. Like, a 6 and 6 Auburn team that got blown out by New Mexico State. Held them 27-20. You know, them without Brock Bowers, they beat Georgia Tech 31-23, you know, at, at in Atlanta at Georgia Tech's place with no Bowers in their six and six. So you can see again, you know, you talk about the SEC championship. That was the only top 35 defense they played. Bama was without their leading running back. Milrow only completed one pass the entire first quarter. They threw for under 200 yards. They averaged 2.8 yards per carry on the ground. And they still won the game. So it doesn't have to be pretty. You just need to play to your strengths. Let that defense work. Run the ball a lot and take the air out of it. If we don't see a flea flicker in this game, Michael, I'm going to be a little disappointed. <laughs> I think you should pull out all the stops. Um, you know. But with that being said, you just don't know what you're going to get out of Georgia right. either. Like I said, we could show up and they could have – 16 dudes in red and black sweatsuits on the sideline that, right. that aren't playing. We just don't know. We don't know how motivated they're going to be. Like you said, we're not predicting Florida State necessarily to win this game, but I think there is a path where they can at least stay in it right? Um, you know, and put on an admirable performance. So with that being said, we will, we will work towards the end of the show here. We'll go ahead and give some keys to this game, kind of some of the things that we're looking for here. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll toss on an arbitrary score prediction at the end just for S's and G's because, you yes. know, there's no point in it, really. It's hard to predict things. Like, I was going to make stat slides for the show and everything, but none of the stats are created by the people on the field, so it Correct. really doesn't even matter. So I think my keys to this one, Michael, is I think first and foremost, you have to limit mistakes in all yep. three phases, point blank period. You cannot have missed field goals. You cannot yep. have shanked punts. You cannot Correct. kick the ball out of bounds. The little things. Like, one of your biggest weapons has been Alex Mastromano. Yes. That can flip the field for you yes. and keep you in good situations. So if you can have a good day from your special teams unit, maybe you you break a few kickoff returns that get you ahead of, you know, not deep in your own territory for an offense that might struggle. That's huge. That is huge. And and my next point kind of leads into that same, follows that same vein, is you have to help out this true freshman. You have to be able to limit some of the pressure. UJ got pressure on Milrow 41.4% of the time. Brock was pressured 53.6% of the time again, uh, in dropbacks against Louisville. Every time he tried to make a throw, there was someone hanging off of him. That's hard for any quarterback, let alone a true freshman. So, right. again, we talked about the drops and the lack of winning contested catches. If you can go out and do those and help your quarterback, if he hits you in the hands, come down with the catch, and that's how you play. That's how you, you sneak up on an upset. Yeah. Um, and then obviously like you need to win, you know, maybe cause you never know, man, you could break a kickoff. You could, you could get a couple of turnovers or something like that. That could help yep. you get into this thing. Um, and then defense, obviously defense, 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 that, that is a huge key to the game. You have to keep Georgia to 30 around 31 points or less, or I don't think you have a chance. And then the, the last little thing as I'll kick it back to you is really just to stay in the fight. I think mm. if you end up, you know, I, I don't, I don't, foresee it necessarily being this this way but say it's oh golly i didn't i didn't even think about it say it's 35 to 3 at halftime or something like that at that point i would almost expect mike novell to almost go full youth movement 
you you take some of the guys that are that are still there. Maybe maybe you you give them the rest of the game off, uh, like a Braden Fisk or something like that. And that's where I think you see it snowball into that TCU yeah. type of deal. You know, another thing that I'm worried about when you talk about staying in the fight is Florida State has been able to out depth a lot of teams throughout yeah. the season. You've lost a lot of your depth pieces. Now, Georgia has two, but again, you're talking about, again, the, the level of what you're bringing in. Like, if you have to go late in the fourth quarter to your backups just for, for rotational plays, you're getting to a lot of freshmen who haven't played. Yeah. So, you know, you just don't want to give up any cheap stuff, and you want to stay in the fight as long as you can. Because, you know, everybody says, Michael, if you can get into the fourth the quarter, fourth quarter. Yeah. then it's a game. Nobody thought we'd be down 13 to nothing in the second quarter to friggin' North Alabama. Right, right, but, right. But, but there we were. There so we like, were, you know, stranger things have happened. So you just never know, man. But like, if they come out, they play inspired, they limit the mistakes, they help out the freshmen. I think there's a path where if the defense plays like they played against Louisville and against Florida and, and the last couple of games that you saw, I think they can at least give Florida state a puncher's chance to maybe at least cover that spread. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 I think two things, this is the two keys and one's offense, one's defense. I think with the defense, I'll start there is, Hey, listen, you've been the backbone of this team for the last, I mean, all season long. My, uh, Adam Fuller has done an incredible job. Pat Sertan with the secondary, uh, you know, uh, you know, Odell and, and JP with the line, uh, Shannon with the linebackers, um, and, you know, they've done a great job. And so you're down, you know, Florida State was ranked eighth in the nation. I'm sorry. Florida State was top ten in the nation in uh, in 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 uh, oh gosh what was the stat I was Scoring. just looking at it uh, uh, where was it at I just I was about to say they're, they're top ten in a lot of categories but there it is okay yeah so uh, Florida State was was top ten nationally in yards um, per game uh, per play I'm sorry at four point seven that with Jared Verse on the field they were four point one. Uh, yards per play, which was third in the nation. Without Jared Verse on the field, they're 5.9 yards per play, which is 88th in the nation. So yes, Jared Verse, you know, not having him is going to affect your defense. This is really more about a bend, but don't break, right? right. You're, you're going to bend, right? You're going to give up some stuff to Georgia. It's about not giving up the deep plays. It's not, it's, it's not about, it's, it's about not giving up the busted plays and it's about bowing up when you get into the red zone. If you can hold them, to, to field goals and, you know, and a couple of scores that are not too crazy give to give your offense a chance to figure out what it can do against that Georgia defense. Then you know what? You, you live and die with the results. You, you put your best out on the right. field. You do what you got to do. You have to be the backbone of this team. When there's a chance to get an interception, when there's a chance to get the fumble, do it, do you it. To. You yeah. got to. Okay. Offense. Mike Norvell. Let it rip. Let it rip. What else you got to lose? Right. Let it rip. Just, you know, give give Brock some easy completions early on and then start taking your chances. You know, Florida, I mean, sorry, you know, Georgia is going to is going to dare you to throw the ball because they, they don't they don't respect that you can. They, they obviously don't. And so they're going to dare you to throw the ball. Take your chances when they are there. Um, as Jesse said, man, <laughs> I'd look at that Northern Alabama game and get all those trick plays that they did, yeah. and I'd have them ready to go. I mean, yeah. just ready to go because you have nothing to lose. This game is all about determining what you got going in, at least from a, a depth standpoint for next year's uh, game. And so, that I mean, honestly, that's where we are. That's how I'm going to look at the game. I'm not necessarily going to worry about the score. Now, I will tell you this, Jesse. 
If they win this game, if they somehow pull this game out, y'all yeah. are not going to like me. If I'm you're a rival banned. fan, I'm, we're getting we get banned from social media because <laughs> we are going to rub it in your faces so bad. But that's right. but we also go in this with reality of knowing that there's that that the chances of them winning is is highly unlikely. And so to keep it close, like you said, we don't live in Moral Gables, right? We don't live in Moralville. Right. Uh, we don't take moral victories. We, that's not what this program is about. We're not looking for that. We want to win, and we want to win. That that's plain and simple. But what we can look at that, even if we don't win, is, hey, what, what did we learn from this, this group of players going into next year? Right. I think you want to win the game. Mike Norvell wants to win the game. The players who are playing want to win the game. But you also have to be realistic. And, and right. you know, we have always tried to remain positive on the show, but also right. kind of throw that cold water on you if we have to, to be realistic. Right. And, and it's just an, it's an uphill battle, man. And, you know, yeah, you get Daryl Jackson back. That should help, you know, with with replacing uh, Verse a little bit there. And, and the last thing I will say, too, is, you know, if you think about it, the Louisville defense is not better than the Georgia defense, but they, they're no. decent. You know, they they're were decent. at the time, I think, a top 30 defense. You know, you even even playing it conservatively, you put up 16 points in the ACC championship game. You yep. took a knee at the 20, so you could have theoretically at least kicked the field goal if you couldn't have punched it in with more time. Yep. And you also missed a field goal in that game. That's about 22 points against a, a yep. solid defense in Brock Glenn's very first start ever. Yep. So, right. you know, in a game where, like, they only threw for 55 yards. So it's not like Johnny and Keon and Jaheim won you that game. They didn't right. because they dropped everything that you threw at them. That's right. So, That's absolutely right. Right. so like if you have a guy that has a little bit more confidence, maybe has some guys that are a little bit more eager to, to play in this game or whatever, and the young guys or something like yeah. that, maybe if they can step up, make some plays and you get that guy, you know, as long as you don't get shut out, I think, it, you know, right. if you look at, you could have put up around 22 points against Louisville. If you can, at least if you can score some points, you feel better about that. And I agree. You got to let Brock rip it at some point, because yeah. not only do you want to find out that he can make those throws down the field, even as a freshman, you know, when you watch that Louisville game, two or three of the throws that should have been picked were swing routes to the outside yes, that that's were right. two yards down the field. So if you can throw a pick two yards down the field, well, let's throw a pick 45 yards down the field and let's That's let right. it let's take the top off the defense one or two times and just see where it goes. And and I think Mike Norville will be conservative until, you know, as you feel the game out. Because again, if you could if you could mess around and find yourself in this game late, who knows? But he I knows. think he I think he knows you're gonna have to take some chances. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes absolutely. taking chances also means you're gonna get blown out because you yep. you do some things that create turnovers and things like that. So that's right. It is what it is, man, but you got to trust it. I mean it's a great offensive mind. They've done great all year with their game plans. It's just a really, really uphill battle when you look at this one. But you know, at the end of the day, they're going to suit it up, and, and we're going to wish them the best. And and I'll That's be, right. you know, I'll be watching and and hoping for the best. I'll be watching, like we said, the game inside of the game. Tape the index card over the score box and watch for the young guys who are right. playing. Appreciate the seniors in this game who are playing, like Deloach and, and Bethune. Appreciate what they've done for this program as it is their last time suiting up That's in right. Garden Gold. So there's a lot of things you can appreciate in this one. And again, Michael, you never know, man. Bowl season's crazy. That's why they play the games. You just That's never why know. They play the games. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, I think with this one, you know, it, it's pretty arbitrary to even try and, and guesstimate a score in this one. Um, you know, but I, I honestly see this like if, if Bowers plays. I think Florida State's probably looking somewhere like 41-10 maybe. Mm. Um, I think if Bowers doesn't play and your defense comes out and plays inspired, maybe Georgia's like, you know, they maybe they're looking at Florida State as a wounded opponent in a game that doesn't mean anything, so they don't even really have to try. Maybe they think they can just roll the helmet out right. against a bunch of backups and they don't show up inspired. 
I, I could see where on a good day where Florida State finds some things, Georgia's not inspired, Bowers don't play. Maybe there's some opt-outs we don't know about, and I'm and I'm I'm foreshadowing this because this will be the last podcast we do before the game. You know, say a, one or two more guys doesn't play. You know, maybe you get them. Maybe you look at like a thirty-one seventeen type of game. And, and yeah. to me, that that's not bad considering the circumstances. But yeah, I mean, I think it's it's gonna be tough, man. That, that, yeah. That's that's pretty much what it is. So you know, hopefully, yeah. if hours don't play, you got a chance to at least cover that spread. But yeah, man, it's 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 gonna be an uphill battle. But I see yeah. a path where they can at least get put up a pretty good fight. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the I think the score. I think the game will be close. I feel like the first quarter. Right. You know, it won't be as high scoring because, you know, both teams are trying to figure each other out. And and unless Florida State just completely whiffs and and and, and busts a bunch of coverages, I just don't see Georgia just blowing them out, you know, with or without Brock right. Bowers in the first quarter. I do think over time, though, because of the depth, because of the blue chip ratio and how strong that depth is compared to our Florida State's depth, which they're building. Don't get me wrong. They're right. building that depth, right. that blue trip depth, but it's just not there. Georgia's had a head start on you. Um, I just don't see this. Yeah, I don't see this game being close. I think Georgia covers the spread. And if we're going to go with an arbitrary score, I'm probably going to be somewhere in the 40, 41 to, you know, I think on the on the other show we recorded that didn't isn't going to make it online. I said 41 to three. But you know what? I, I think I'll give them a touchdown somewhere. So I'll say 41 10. So we're we're pretty much in the same ballpark. Yeah. I think it'll be a little closer if Bowers doesn't play, yeah. um, you know. But again, man, the score's almost ir irrelevant. And uh, the yeah. funniest thing about this bowl is how much Florida State has <clears throat> the the fan base has yeah. pretty much come out and said, "Guys, we we don't care. Like yeah. we're still going to celebrate thirteen and zero. We're still going to celebrate our ACC championship. We don't care about the results of this bowl and yeah. how much it pisses everyone <laughs> off. <laughs> They're so it, mad. We can't be bothered. Like we're sitting on South Beach with a with an umbrella drink and some and some yeah. shades on, not even caring about the score of the game. And everyone else is like, "Ha ha, see, look at what." And we're like, "We don't care, man. We, we know we know we went thirteen and zero. We know this right. is not the same team, and we know that we're looking forward to twenty twenty four. Which, by the way, another positive. This is why you play the game." Everybody wanted to opt out. This is why you take the game. Uh, Charles Lester, Luke yep. Comanhawk, multiple guys practicing. from that 24 class, they're suited up and practicing. Now, they can't play in the game, but think about th just the shell shock of going from high school to a college practice. Now you've had at least a week of, of practice on a big stage that they can get comfortable, and, and that's going to be huge going into next year. So right. there are there are more positives in this in this whole process of going through playing the orange bowl right uh, you know you know then some people consider so that's why you don't opt out you get a you know you still get the payday and all that stuff right um uh, from the orange bowl and everything but yeah man i think just when you look at getting those young guys on there and, and getting them to work already and getting to find out what you got out of some of the guys from 2024 it, you know there, there are some valuable things there's some value in playing this game Right. It's just you have to understand what the score's probably going to look like i you know again right. i don't want to i don't want to say it's for sure because you never know, but right. you know, hey, we'll, we'll see. But there are some positives that you can take out of this one. So, with that being said, Michael, that's pretty much going to do it for us. Uh, we, you know, we ran a little long on this one, but I felt like it was a pretty good show um, with some good discussion on on what you can expect out of this Orange Bowl. Yeah. And so, with that being said, my man, I mean, any any kind of final thoughts on this one? We'll we'll see uh, how it <laughs> plays out. We'll try and have a post game show with you guys. Like I yeah. said, I'm going to be watching it away from home, so I'm not sure what. Uh, my cell phone service status will be. We'll try. If we win, I promise you, I will 
drive to the moon if I have to to get cell phone service to talk after this game. So <laughs> y'all just wait for that. Uh, but any any final thoughts on this one before we wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Florida State. Uh, what I trust most is that Mike Navarro will have this team ready to play to its best possible uh, ability in this game. Whether or not that results in a win or a close game, you know, that's that's for the for for those to determine on the field. But I know they'll be ready to play, yep. and uh, I trust that. And I trust I trust the direction of this program. I trust what Mike Novell is doing. I have no fear about twenty twenty four. Um, and the stuff he's doing. Can we get a quarterback, please, Mike? Um, and uh, Keon just Keon Coleman just announced his uh, draft, so he's going to the draft. But it doesn't it doesn't say if he's gonna it doesn't say if he's gonna play in the game or not. <laughs> so, but we can automatically assume that it probably means he's not playing in the game. Yeah, he's not so, on the depth chart. So yeah, he's not on the depth chart. So, but yeah, he's just announced as well too. And so you know, we're just grateful for those. We're grateful for the team this year, man. I mean, they gave us a ride that. You know, yes, we would have wished they would have ended the opportunity to be able to prove that they were the best team in the country. But man, 13-0 is 13-0. And you can't, you just can't sip on that. Um, you know, we'll we're fans, we'll watch, uh, we'll watch the game and you know, we'll come back on here and we'll dissect it with you and we'll get ready for next season. Yep, most definitely. And you know, how funny would it be if all those guys were just hiding in the weeds and were like, We're we're not playing in the orange bowl, it don't matter. And then they're all there when the, <laughs> when the, when the clock it or when the clock when the game starts. That would be hilarious. But be yeah, I, I think you I, and as we get ready to end it, I, I think you make a good point. Don't just don't let the ending spoil the journey that that right. led you to get here. And once all the dust settles from this season, obviously there's a lot to look forward to in 24. Right. You know, you, you're in it for uh, the Texas A&M receiver, Evan Stewart. You're, you're one of his yep. final couple of schools. That decision's coming in a couple of days. You know, the portals, portal window closes soon, so they got to make a decision soon. Right. So I suspect we'll see some news coming up. Um, but after all the dust settles, we are going to try and do an episode. We're going to try and put something together for you guys where we can just basically go back and week by week relive the season and the moments that we enjoyed the most out of it. Because I think, you know, again, the way they cut off the celebration of the ACC championship, the way things just really kind of came to a, a halt immediately with the excitement towards the end of the season. We didn't know that was going to be their last game. We thought they were, you know, that at that version of the team, we didn't know all that stuff. You know, the things that Jordan Travis has done throughout his career, all that deserves to be celebrated. And, you know, it's busy with signing day and the portal and the bowl game and all that stuff. But once we get to the offseason and we have time, I want to go back and celebrate that because those guys deserve to be celebrated for what they did. Um, you know, like like Michael said, even if they're not playing in this bowl, you, you got to yeah. appreciate what they did to get us to this point. Yep. So, you know, at the end of the day, man, you just take it for what it is. You go out and it's a learning experience for some young guys and and you focus, you turn your focus to next year. So, yep. um with that being said, guys, we'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your support. It's hard to believe this is it, Michael. This is it's it. Hard, it's hard to believe this is the last one, but you know we're going to watch it and, and we're going to cheer on the Knowles for one more time this season, and then we'll be back with you guys on the other side. So, good luck, Florida State. I, we'll be we'll be praying for you guys. Uh, you know, y'all say a little prayer for me as I watch this with a bunch of barking grown adults. But uh, you know, I do love them, so so I'll let them bark. I told them to get like a three bark limit, and, and I'll, I'll let that happen, and then leave me alone. Um, but then, of course, if we win, they're probably going to kick me out of their house. So that's it's all right. it, it, fair is fair. But uh, with that being said, guys, again, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, Peace. go, go Noles. Noles.